And who is my neighbor? This will be the crux of the whole gospel today. This question that the scholar of the law asks, who is my neighbor? Of course, before this, he asked Jesus this another question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? And we know the answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That here is this scholar of law wanting to, uh, in a certain sense, justify himself, asking this question of who is my neighbor. So Jesus answers with this parable we've heard before, this story we've heard before of the Good Samaritan. Now, I don't expect you to remember what I preached about three years ago on this passage, by the way. I don't remember what I preached about last week, all right? But I do remember myself three years ago preaching on this passage. And I remember doing some research before that, and it was from a retreat from a priest named Father Sebastian Walsh, who had led a retreat as an Orbitine uh, priest out in California. And he opened up this gospel passage in a way I've never seen before. I think it's so beautiful and understands who our neighbor is. And by the way, the neighbor, the good Samaritan in this story, is Jesus. Jesus is the good Samaritan. And who is the traveler who falls victim to robbers? Well, this actually, we could see, could be Adam. And if that's Adam, it means it could be humanity. So that means it's us who have fallen victim. How can we see this? Well, we see that this traveler is going from Jerusalem, the holy of holies, right, down to Jericho. You wouldn't do that too often. You wouldn't be leaving the holy of holies. And if you did, you'd make sure you're traveling with a whole bunch of people. Yet here he is going on his own. He falls victim to robbers. He's, he's stripped. He's beaten. He's left half dead. And actually, in this image of being left half dead, that's what it means to be in sin. And the Jewish people would have seen this. Half dead means that I'm half dead to God. My soul is dead, but I'm still alive. And of course, we know this was happened with Adam. He's kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and he's left to fend a certain way for himself. That original sin. Now, it's interesting. We have two people we think would stop by and help Adam, or this traveler, we could say. First one, of course, being a priest. But when the priest sees him, what happens? He goes to the other side of the road. This priest represents the old covenant, we could say. Because in this case, the priest is afraid I might become unclean. And I don't want to become unclean. If I'm unclean, I can't go to Jerusalem. So I can't get my hands dirty. All right. Then we have the Levite, the scholar of the law, and he represents, well, the law. And he, too, same thing. I can't get my hands dirty. Plus, eh, yeah, just, it's not going to happen. Mm-mm. So we can see that the Old Covenant and the law of the Old Covenant can do nothing for this traveler. And then the most shocking thing happens. A Samaritan sees this man on the side of the road. You know, this good Samaritan, by the way, is Jesus. And we can see this, or fast forward a little bit here already, of Jesus came not just for the Jewish people, but for all of humanity. 
Now, in a regular course of a day, if a Samaritan saw a Jewish person, even if they weren't beat down, they'd go to the other side of the road. So would the Jewish person. Be kind of a little dance going on. I don't, I don't know. But they could not be near each other. And yet, in this case, the Good Samaritan, we hear this beautiful line, is moved with compassion at the sight. So if this Good Samaritan is Jesus then Jesus wants to have compassion on us. And this makes sense. Why did Jesus come into this world? Because he loves us. Because he cares for us. Because he wants to take us out of that original sin and cleanse us and heal us with his mercy, with his compassion, with his whole being. Just like this good Samaritan, being moved with compassion. I'm going to fast forward in the story. I'll come back, I think, to the other important part of the story. But after he bandages the wounds of this Samaritan, what does he do? He lifts him up on his own animal. And right there we should be thinking, lift it up. Lift it up on the cross taking on humanity, taking on original sin, and saying, I will take care of you. Through his own death and through his resurrection, he takes him to the inn. By the way, what's the image of that inn? The inn is the church. He gives him two coins. Who are those two coins? We can even say they're people, Peter and Paul, who are called to take care of the church. And he also says, when I come back, I will repay anything you need and he's going to check on that traveler again. And so we can see this is an image of Jesus' whole life. His life up to his death and resurrection. And that he is going to come again. But out of that compassion, he also wants to heal us. And so this is like he does with this, this traveler, Adam. Is he heals him with What? with wine and oil. Let's use an example here. Let's use a six-year-old kid is running around the house and they shouldn't be, or they're running whatever, and they trip and fall and they scrape up their whole elbow. What are mom and dad going to do? Well, hopefully not yell too much, right? They'll be moved with compassion and they're going to want to help their child. So instead of breaking out wine to heal or whiskey, which they would have done in the 1800s, they break out rubbing alcohol. And even now we kind of go, oh, that hurts, doesn't it? It stings. But why do mom and dad put rubbing alcohol on a wound? Not because they don't care for you, but because they love you. But they also know that in that trip and in that fall, you may have an infection already in you. And they need to clean out that wound. That's what wine did back in Jesus' time as well. And it stung back then as well. Now in the image of our soul, by the way, when we sin, remember original sin, we are wounded. And in that wound, infections can take place in our soul. It can start, sin can start festering inside of us. And so when Jesus uses this image of the wine, we can even use this image of, of justice. And sometimes that justice 
it stings. It hurts when he's trying to get out those, that, that infection of sin and trying to take away that attachment to sin. It can hurt, but it's not meant to punish us. It's done out of love. And so that wine, that rubbing alcohol, represents justice. We need to let the Lord work on us to root out any of that infection of sin. What else do we hear he use? Oil, right? Same analogy here a little bit. It's the summer months. We go out, we forget to put sunscreen lotion on, or we say, I don't need it today. Later that night, we look like a lobster. It hurts, right? What do we do? We put on oil, we put on lotion to soothe us, to give us relief from that pain and to start healing as well. This is what Jesus does for our soul, not necessarily with oil, but with mercy. His mercy, mercy is meant to soothe us, to let us know that he's here to comfort us, to guide us, to be our divine physician. And so what we must do is allow God to work on the wounds of our sin, to be honest with him. You see, when we sin, he already knows. He knows what you did. Don't hide from him. Although often when we sin, let me rephrase that, often when I sin, I'll just speak for myself, I get a little afraid of God. I'm like, mm, God, I'm going to hide from you right now. But that's never good. Instead, we're called to let him work on us. He wants to heal us. He wants to be, he is compassionate. He's everything for us. He's not out to hurt. He's out to love. And so we show him our wounds. And we let him be that good Samaritan, be that good shepherd, be that divine physician. And through him, these wounds can be healed. Especially, I would say, through the sacraments. The sacrament of confession. Mm. How he comes and gives us his mercy to hear those words, go in peace, your sins have been forgiven. That's pretty soothing right there. And also through the sacrament, of course, while you're here today, to receive the Eucharist. You know, right before we receive the Eucharist, we ask the Lord to heal us. Remember? After the Our Father, after the Agnus Dei, I'll hold up the host of the priest, will write, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. And what do we say? Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, for you to enter on earth, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Do we allow him to heal us or not? Father Wilfred Stenson, from my favorite book, Into Your Hands, Lord, has this to say. He comes to us to heal all wounds, to transform all sorrow into joy. And when we sin, by the way, usually we have some sorrow or a lot of sorrow with that. And he wants to transform that sorrow into joy. 
Do we give him the opportunity to heal us? Do we show him our wounds? We pray in the Anime Christi. In your wounds, you heal me. We hear from 1 Peter. By his wounds, you have been healed. The more we come in contact with these wounds, the more all of our wounds heal. In the Eucharist, the Lord comes to us wounded and sacrificed. That is the right moment to pray. Jesus, heal these wounds. And so today, we come before our Heavenly Father, who desires to give everything to us, to be our divine physician. And we say, Lord, I need you. Help me. And we have confidence that he will. Why? Because he came that we may have life, life eternally with him.